everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 404, Restraints on a Plane. Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. So Eddie, I'm gonna confess that I've been suckered into watching some terrible reality television, and I want to defend why I watch it and see if you agree. So Carissa has suckered me into starting watching 90 Day Fiance and all of those types of okay. shows, where the general premise I'm, obviously I'm, I'm a- that. They meet someone. I'm already going to say now, you're not going to be able to defend this, but keep going. <laughs> okay. The premise being that they meet someone re- like remotely online or something like that, and then they become engaged, and then usually then go to visit them and then have 90 days to then get married so they can get a visa for whatever country they want to go to, um, mostly the US. So most of the times, it's very lonely old men who are very weird that find either women from South America or Asia uh, that are kind of just looking to come to the United States. And it's just so clear. The reason that I've been suckered into watching it, I only like the beginnings when they finally meet this person and to see what their expectation is, that they think this person genuinely likes them, is interested in them. And then just how badly it goes. Do you think they really do? Because maybe in the early in episodes of the show, but at this point, you're going on 90 Day Fiance, right? To be famous. Like, I always think that's the downfall to any successful reality TV show is that the original premise, whatever it is, it goes out the window by season two or at most season three. I mean, no one's seriously going on 90 Day Fiance now because they think they're going to find love. They're doing it because they think they're going to be the next, that weird short guy with the like no neck <laughs> where he's turned into like, so a, you do you know watch I mean? It. Like, he's, I mean, I've seen the memes, I've seen the memes and I've seen the video like Instagram reels and stuff, but that's who you want to be. You want to be internet famous yeah. and have a career out of being the weird guy who was on 90 day fiance. See, yeah. See, I agree with you. But at the same time, I think these people that are on the show are so strange and weird that a lot of it is actually genuine because they're just that dumb (laughs) or like that just naive. Like I, I do think, yes, part of it is, oh, I can go on, I can be famous, whether this works out or not. But I think some of these people are just so not all there. I mean, that they actually think the question I'd have to ask, I know nothing has, is there any, are there any instances where it has been successful? Yes. Where three years later, the people are still together. Yeah. Okay. So there are, okay, then maybe then yes, you could probably convince people. Yeah. Look, 5% success rate, but maybe you're one of the 5%. Yes. And so the one that's really intriguing me right now is there is a 52 year old guy who was previously married and divorced 
and is very, very, very religious. And he was catfished before and now has a new girlfriend from Peru that he swears this time is real. And then they show you what she sent. And it is like catfishing 101, like the most generic airbrush picture you could ever have. She never has video FaceTimed with him ever, but she sent a video to prove she's real. And the video was just like, not like so nonspecific. It was like, hey, you, this is mahogany. I'm real. <laughs> and that's the whole video. <laughs> and he's like, see, she's real. And part of me is thinking what you said, like, there's no way this guy is serious. But then when you listen to what he says, it's like, oh, no, no. God has put us together in this moment. She she is very religious as well. And, you know, she has told me that God was the reason that she started talking to me. And I said, no way. God is the reason I started talking to you. So obviously this is God's work. And it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Frank, Frank, I think... I think you're taking this a little too seriously, <laughs> reading into both what they're saying and their intentions and their understanding of the show. I think you're a little bit too involved. But I love the catfishing. Like, it's it's the most obvious catfishing ever. But it might not be, because it could just be a television production company going, hey, look, we need to find some people. <laughs> hey, look, encourage this guy. He knows it's He knows it's fake, but we're going to pay him you know, X number of dollars to be on the show originally. And then he'll think he can always show up at weird, you know, <laughs> s signings around the place and, you know, like do some weird sponsorship deals online. I don't know. I've, I, I go through down some weird YouTube rabbit holes and watch some weird TV, but I'm, I've yet <laughs> to waste my time too much on reality TV. Yeah. I was watching, I did last night, I did watch three episodes of Survivor. Oh, I thought you were going to say Below from Deck. From like old episodes. I thought we of, were going to become a Below Deck podcast. No. <laughs> we are not. I, <laughs> I, there are few things I dislike more than people liking Below Deck. I knew there was a reason we hated each other. <laughs> so then if you're not watching reality TV, Eddie, then what are you watching? That's the big question. I mean, it's all sports and sports and documentaries. <laughs> Just sports That's reality. My life like sports aren't fixed, Eddie. You think reality TV's fixed? Yeah. <laughs> it's but it's it's literally just sports and 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 documentaries. That's ninety eight percent of my television consumption. And as we've discussed on previous episodes of the podcast, clips segments of movies rather than watching <laughs> the movies themselves. I've actually kind of got. They, I kind of got somewhat addicted to there's that guy who just like does the sort of synopsis of movies with the movie clips running behind it. And I just so you can basically watch an entire movie in six minutes, six to eight minutes. He just runs through the plot and I kind of enjoy it. Sometimes I go, you know what? I feel like I got the pleasure of, of watching that movie without wasting an additional hour and 30 minutes. That's so sad. <laughs> you like to don't enjoy being entertained. <laughs> no, I do. Like, if I'm going to watch a good movie, don't get me wrong. I'm not doing that for a movie I really want to see. But sometimes for those, it's like, these are movies I missed. So I'll see. I'm trying to think an example of one that I did. But there'll be a bunch of movies where it's like movies from 10 years ago that I'm never going to watch. And then I go, oh, I, I remember that movie being out. I'm never going to see it. 
I can I have a vague idea of what it was about, and then I sit through eight minutes instead of sitting down for ninety, and I get a f- true sense. I feel like I probably come away with a better understanding of the movie than a lot of people who actually watched it because I get a guy who's actually put thought into editing it together and giving you all the key plot points and putting it together in a nice. The the only thing that's interesting, I'm I'm assuming it's a text to voice voiceover because occasionally the words the way that are pronounced is very bizarre for someone who has as good of an accent as this person seems to have it's very weird suddenly there'll be words that pop up and like instead of chair he'll be like char you know it's it's (laughs) there's just there's just weird examples where it kind of it, it throws you off there it kind of takes you out of the experience for a half a second let's move on to the arguably the I was actually not arguably definitively the best weekend of NFL because you have four games and they're all good games at this stage. Yeah. Next week becomes depressing because it cuts down to two two, and then, and then you think like, Oh, the season's nearly over. So there's that element to it. And then also a lot of pressure on getting one really good game out of only two games. Whereas at least this way around, you can feel pretty confident that out of the four, one of them will be very good. And then... I mean, on the, paper, you know, they all look very a, good. And it's I think do, it's better than the paper, week before, couple. because the week before, even on paper, we said that, you know, this this game's going to be a blowout, and it was, and this game's going to not be that great, and it wasn't. So there was, you know, you have six games the week before, but they're not all high, high quality like you have to this week. I love, this is my favorite weekend in the NFL feel like you may have said that three or four times this this season. <laughs> but yeah. No, it, it should be should be fascinating. And I guess we can kick things off with our picks then. Where the first game up, the Saturday afternoon game, I guess depending on which time zone you fall in, but is the Bengals at the Titans, and the Titans are three and a half point favorites. This is this is a very interesting matchup because for me, yes, the Titans are the number one seed, and you have to respect the fact that they're the number one seed. But I still say yeah, you have to think about what Titans team you're getting here. Are you getting the Titans team that beat the Rams, the Colts, the Chiefs, and the Bills in consecutive weeks? Or are you getting the team that lost to the Steelers, lost to the Texans, um, was there the big to the Jets? You know, are you getting that team, or are you getting the team that that ran the gauntlet of playoff teams in the middle of the season? The encouraging part is maybe you're getting the team that ran the gauntlet because during that time they had Derrick Henry, and all indications are that Derrick Henry's coming back. He at least practiced yesterday and had contact, or they were. Something about like how they were hitting him purposefully to see if you could handle it. He'll be limited, but he'll be back. I don't think you're going to see him carry the ball 35 times, but yeah, he'll be 10 to 20 carries depending on the situation in the game and how much they need him. So he's definitely going to be playing, but as to how much he plays and how significant of a role, I think that's a pretty big question mark. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he'll have fresh legs. So, we saw last week with Cam Akers who came back from a torn Achilles who probably that is still at injury also is not a hundred percent, but just the fact 
that he was just so much fresher than everyone. He had a great game. I think he had almost 100 yards and two TDs. So Yeah, and I, I never know how that works. I mean, we've discussed that before. This is a little bit like last last year when games were getting postponed, and then we had, oh, well, this team's coming in. Are you rusty or are you fresh? You can you can kind of make the argument either way. I think one so person can be fresh, but I think the team can be rusty. <laughs> okay. But Derrick Henry could come I mean, he's got a massive metal plate in his foot that he didn't have before. So there's that's <laughs> one thing he's got to contend with. But aside from that, I mean, maybe... I feel like with a running back, I have less concern about them being rusty. Yeah. Than, especially he's just a powerful runner that he's still just going to be able to truck through people if he needs to, assuming that his foot is pretty close to being fully healed. And all of the reports coming out of the Titans over the last couple of months, I mean, their reports were saying basically if they had needed him in the final few weeks of the season, he could have played then. So you have to assume by now then that he is pretty close to, you know, whether that's 80% or 90%, whatever he's at, he's, it's at least not a major question mark. Yeah. And then on the other side of the ball, ball, I think, I think we know what we're getting with the Bengals. Um, We're going to get a good offense and a defense that can leak some points. I mean, they held the Raiders to 19, but still, I mean, the Raiders had a chance at the very end there. So I, I wouldn't really trust that defense. They're not a shutdown defense they'll keep them in the games. I, this is a tough one. You know, you can go either way on this. I'm going to go with the Titans just because when they put it together, they are a very good, complete team. Their defense gets a lot of turnovers. They can get some points off those turnovers and their offense is pretty methodical. And I will give the absolute cliche that I don't ever agree with is their offense is, can run the ball and keep Burrow and Jamar Chase off the field, which makes absolutely no sense. But I think the Titans are. are I the mean, better. it does make sense. It doesn't. <laughs> it does make sense. It doesn't. Cause it does actually make sense. If you only get the ball four times and they only get the ball four times, if they score four TDs on those four anyway, they're still going to outscore you. <laughs> well, that's obviously true. But the difference is, is that if you have one team that is built like take the Niners, for example, just to use an example, a team that loves going on really long drives. It's in their nature. They're comfortable doing it. The difference between that versus a team, say more like the Chiefs, which is a little bit more either hit or miss on their offense. Either they're driving down the field and scoring a touchdown or it's a three and out. And so if you are then in a situation where the other team has just eaten up seven, eight minutes of the clock, you're getting the ball and you think, oh, we got to put a drive together, and you're a team that's not built to sort of work your way down the field and chew clock yourselves, you can find yourself in a situation where there's only been three possessions of the game, but, oh, you know, a quarter and a half is off the clock, and you're down 14 points. And then in the back of your mind, you're thinking every time they're getting the ball, they're keeping it for six, seven, eight minutes. I think there's a little... It's, it's a kind of... It's a different type of scoreboard pressure. It makes sense to me. I, I think it's a little overrated of a concept. I, I th- Look, I think it's possibly overrated. I think you underrate it. It's somewhere in the middle of where, say, an ESPN analyst would be and where you are. Let me put it this way. Because there's also the other... If, if the, let me give you an example. If the Patriots had had more sustained drives last week, 
and the Bills only got the let ball me put four it, times. Would it have mattered? <laughs> okay, let me put it this way to, to the way I think I, the, is the best way to explain. No, I I, 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 I understand a, what you're. Exp- I, no, no, no. Okay. Let me make it. But let me make it. Imagine I'm in a three point shooting shooting contest with Steph Curry. Which one am I more likely to win? A one shot three point shooting contest or a ten shot three point shooting contest? It's obviously the one shot. I can rely on maybe he misses, but the more times he gets it and the more likely he is then to be efficient than I am, then the more possessions he gets, the greater his likelihood of winning is every time he gets the ball. But would, Whereas, would the statistics actually say that? <laughs> I know what you're 100%. saying by chance. Would it? Because he has a 60% chance to make that shot and you have a 20% chance. Yeah. And then over 10, he would make 60% of the 10, and you would make 20% of the 10. You might say I've got a 20%. I have a, I would say I have a better than 20% chance of making one three if I prepared for it, but I have a way less than 20% chance of making three consecutive threes. Okay. So whereas, whereas he has a 40% chance of making three consecutive threes. So the, the longer the game goes on for, the greater the gap in 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 statistical likelihood yeah, yeah. becomes so I I think that's the logic behind it. No, I you mean just think this is a high power offense. You're absolutely right. I mean, like it's it's the more you do something, the more probable the outcome is going to go to the norm. So when you only do something once, it's highly you know can be highly erratic. You, you're right. I I just I don't see it so much in in the NFL. I I don't buy it as much. I guess, but. Going back to this game, I, I think the Titans are the better overall team, talent-wise. The Bengals are close. This is a great stepping stone for them, and I think they'll be back next year with arguably the same team, if not better. So this is a team that probably will be in the playoffs for a few years now, but I think it's still too soon for them, and this is kind of going to be a big learning step for them, and I'll take the Titans to win. But if it's three and a half, that's what I have. Is that the correct spread? That, that's the number I said to okay. you, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the Bengals with a three and a half. I think this will be a very close game. Oh, you're threading. I think it'll be a field goal winning game. All right. I'm, I'm going to take the Titans. I'm not going to. I'm going to take them minus the points as well. I think you covered a lot of the reasons why. I mean, an, an, another major cause for concern for Cincinnati is they are not good against the run they don't stop it well they are averaging this season their opponents average uh 102.5 yards on the ground over the last three games that average is 154.3 now admittedly maybe we can throw out the browns game because they were resting a lot of players at the same time you know the browns are are good at running the ball they were they struggled a little bit against the Raiders to stop the run, and I think that's going to be ultimately the key to this game. Which sounds like an obvious statement when you're talking about the Titans, but regardless, I mean they've been running the ball well even when Henry has been out, and I just think they'll be able to run the ball all over this Bengals team. And I'm also there's not a lot of logic to this, but Burrow hasn't had a turnover in a while, and part of me. I hate the idea of saying that someone's due, but again, you kind of got to revert to the to the norm a little bit here. And 
I think the Titans are much more likely to play a mistake-free game, even though they obviously had a couple of games this season when they had just a horrific number of mistakes. So I'll stick with the Titans, which is obviously a major flip for me, although these are two teams that I've doubted over the course of this season. But I'll take the Titans. I will say, maybe you'll agree with me here, the winner of this game will not be the team that is the AFC participant in the Super Bowl. I will disagree with you there. Ooh. I'm not saying that they will be. I would say if the Bengals win this game, they will not be. But if the Titans are... I think the Titans have a legitimate chance. I think particularly the Titans have a real chance against the, the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd feel less confident that this is Titans-Bills in the next round and the Bills have looked good against the Chiefs than I'll say now the Bills are my pick. But if you're telling me the Titans have looked this good this weekend the Chief, and the Chiefs have looked kind of like what we know that they look like, so say they've won like 35-28 against the Bills but been blown hot or cold over the course of the game, and I, I think the Titans would give themselves a pretty good chance of just running the ball down their throats, averaging seven, eight yards a carry, and and knowing that sooner or later Mahomes will make a mistake. So I'll rule the Bengals out. I think the Bengals have the worst Super Bowl chances of any remaining team, in my mind. Up next, you got the Niners at the Packers, and the Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to have to go against Eddie here. Uh, I'll let Eddie give the history on the Niners owning the Packers recently. But for me, this Packers team, they're a four-loss team. One is the end of the regular season when they're resting players. One is without Rodgers against the Chiefs. One is the first game of the year, which you never know what's going to happen. And the only other one that is kind of strange was when they lost to the Vikings when they were down, I think, 16-3 halfway through the second and almost came back and then lost in a last-second field goal. But otherwise, this team has kind of cruised through this season consistently putting up 25 plus points a game um you know beat the rams pretty handily about five six weeks ago beat the browns beat the ravens they're a good team uh i just think with the rest they're getting some players back the matchup the matchup is tough because the niners do have that pass rush but i think rogers is going to have a good game here play really well and the one part of the Niners game that scares me is their secondary and I think that eats right up into Rodgers and Devontae Adams and you could see Devontae Adams having 10 12 catches for 150 yards and if I remember correctly the last three or four times they've played Devontae Adams has had crazy numbers against the Niners you know like over 140 had 180 I think one game or something crazy like that so they'll continue to exploit that because the Niners secondary is not very good, even though their pass rush is. So I'll take the Packers to win and the Packers to cover, but I'd be happy to see the Niners. I'll yeah, say I mean, that I, I'm not a, I'm not a Packers supporter. Oh. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy if the Niners won this. Well, I mean, I guess the immediate question mark for the Niners here was the status of a number of players they have that are carrying injuries going into this game. It looks like most of them should play. Fred Warner was a full participant in practice. Uh, Bosa was a 
partial participant. So you'd have to assume he's dealing with a concussion. So if he's he, even if he's back in limited practice, you'd have to assume that that means he's fine to play on Saturday, which you could say, how is that possible? If you have a concussion on Sunday, why would you be allowed to play on a Saturday night? But it seems like he's going to meet all the requirements of the protocol. Well, did, did he have a concussion or he was in concussion protocol because they thought he might have had a concussion? I, I, you know, Who you don't knows? know, right? They always they always spin it with out with a concussion, but that doesn't mean he has a concussion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because they're never going to say yes, he definitely had a concussion, because then they would get flack for playing him six days later. So they'll say, oh no, he passed all of the tests at all times. Um, but anyway, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo continues to be slightly hurt. He's got a shoulder injury. He's got his thumb injury. So there's a lot of reasons to take the Packers because there's a there are not as many question marks about how healthy they are and exactly what they're going to look like on Saturday night. So I would say the logical pick is the Packers to win and to cover. That being said, and to pull out a old football cliche here, this feels like a game that's going to be won in the trenches. And from the Niners' defensive standpoint, that is, can they get pressure on Aaron Rodgers? Because as you pointed out, their secondary is not good enough. If they are not getting Aaron Rodgers under pressure and getting to him regularly, then they, he will pick apart their secondary. On the other side of the ball, if they are able to dominate the line of scrimmage there, then they will be able to run the ball effectively on this Packers defense. And I'm not sure how good this Packers defense is. I think because the Packers' record has been so good over the course of this season, undeniably so, that at time, the flaws in their defense have been sort of brushed over. Part of that, I think, is a strength of schedule issue. And I think you just come into this. There is that element, we've spoken about it several times over the course of this season, of is this deja vu with the Packers, which we've seen them be juggernauts in the regular season and then come unstuck almost immediately in the playoffs. And I'm going to side on the fact that history will repeat itself here. So I'm going to take the Niners to win, and obviously the Niners with the five and a half points. I don't feel so comfortable with the Niners to win just because of those injuries issue, injury issues. I kind of like the five and a half points. This line opened at four and a half. I kind of like it now at five and a half. But, you know, we'll see. The Niners have had Trey Lance pretending to be Aaron Rodgers in practice. Who knows? Maybe they'll do a full switcheroo and they'll have Trey Lance pretending to be Aaron Rodgers on Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, if it were that easy to pretend to be Aaron Rodgers, why isn't he just the starter? <laughs> uh, and just to follow up on some more injuries, so the Packers, uh, it looks like they're going to get uh, Jair Alexander back, their starting cornerback who's been out, I think, since week two or something like that, um, which is a big step up because he a, he's a their number one cornerback. And then David Bakhtiari, their all pro tackle has been participating in practice and he should likely return as well. So those are two of their all-stars or all pros even. I don't actually know if Alexander was an all pro, um, but definite two pro bowlers coming back, which would be good for them. But again, they haven't played in over 14 weeks. So whether they're going to be effective, that's a little up in the air. My concern, Eddie, that I want to ask you about is, are you willing at this stage to, trust Jimmy G. I mean, cause that's gotta be part of the reason you picked the Packers is when you just look at it face value, I think Jimmy G will mess up. And I don't know how many times against the Packers you can mess up. You give Rogers the ball 
on your own 30, that's a death sentence, you know, that, and that's going to happen. At least I think, I think it's going to happen. I mean that they're your pick. So I, I, you should think that that's going to happen. I think we, he always has two or three bad throws in him. You just have to hope that those bad throws are bad, a bad overthrow on first down and the drive doesn't stall or a dropped interception at a crucial time. And that can happen. So I think first of all, that's it. But in a sense, for the Niners to win, it's not you know it's not really trusting Jimmy G. It's trusting their run game. If the run game is efficient, they win. I mean, I said you know said the statistic a couple weeks ago when they rushed the ball forty times or more under Shanahan, they've never lost. So, and yes, it is one of those kind of self fulfilling statistics because it shows that you're dominating a game and in a position to keep running it, so you're probably leading the game. But fundamentally, if their run game is efficient and they can, especially because with Shanahan, he can get every playmaker involved through the run game, which is what makes the Niners unique. Kittle can get involved through the run game. Debo Samuel can get involved through the run game. Kyle Juszczyk can get involved through the run game. Literally everyone. And apart from maybe Jimmy G. And that's not a bad thing. (laughs) But... Uh, look, would it stun me if Garoppolo had an awful game on Saturday? No, it would not. And if the Packers absolutely blew them out after he just had a d- disastrous first half and suddenly it's 21-0 and there's just no way back, no, I wouldn't be stunned. At the same time, as I said, we've seen we've seen Aaron Rodgers have bad playoff performances. So I wouldn't be that surprised either if it gets to halftime and the Niners have been running the ball effectively and, you know, Rodgers has thrown one bad pick and kind of stalled on a couple third downs. I think almost anything can happen. That's part of the logic behind taking the team with the points for me as well. Yeah. No, and I agree with you that the Niners win through their run game and not through Jimmy G. But what scares me is last week, their run game was pretty dominant and Jimmy G still almost blew it with one of the worst interceptions of the playoffs. So even when their run game is on and he's really not throwing the ball, it only takes one bad Jimmy G mistake to, to almost blow the game. So um, yeah, that's obviously something to look for in this game is how he, how efficient can he be? And who knows, maybe he comes out and plays an amazing game and just run, helps them run up the score, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. And up next, I think we have, in one of the ways, most the possibly the most intriguing matchup of the weekend, which is the Rams, the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers are three point favorites. You obviously, have the reigning Super Bowl champions. You have Tom Brady, who, you know, just trying to make his record look even better against a Rams team that has been unpredictable over the course of this season, but also won this matchup comfortably when they played each other in the regular season back at the beginning of the season, albeit that was in LA. Uh, and the Rams looked very good against the Cardinals on Monday night, albeit against a Cardinals team that looked absolutely awful, and I think almost any other team in the NFL would have beaten them in that game. So it's very difficult to judge how good of a performance that was from a Rams perspective just because of how bad the Cardinals were. I guess the good news for them was that OBJ looked as if he was fitting into their offense, and as we touched on, their pass rush looked really good and not just through Donald actually through Von Miller. The issue here for me, I'm going to take the bucks and I'm going to take the bucks to cover, 
the issue here for me is just the Bucks secondary. And I can see a situation here where you have Tom Brady just under a tremendous amount of pressure. They also, I think the Bucks left tackle is questionable for this game. So that's not ideal against the Rams pass rush. That's pretty good. I can see a situation where Tom Brady is under pressure a lot and then their secondary is being picked apart by deep with deep throws. But this to me is as simple as it's Brady versus Stafford and I'm not taking Stafford. Yeah, this one I'm, I'm actually going to go against here. I'm going to take the Rams to win this. And obviously the Rams with the points for me, it's what you touched on. This is a team that injuries have been an issue and I'm okay with injuries being to your receivers and running backs because, to be honest, Brady just sees a body and a number and he'll hit whatever. As long as they know the route they're supposed to run, he'll, he'll, he'll put it there. So that doesn't concern me as much. What concerns me is both Tristan Wirth and Ryan Jensen, both right now looking like they're not going to play. So your starting center and your starting left tackle are not playing. So one, you have your tackle, which is super important to Brady's blind side, and you have Von Miller and Floyd on the other side that are just going to be coming at will. But then up center, you have Aaron Donald, who lives in this in the middle of that line. And without your Pro Bowl center, you now have the pressure coming from the ends and coming from the center. And if there's ever the strategy to beat Tom Brady, it's to get pressure with your four down linemen. And I can see the Rams with these injuries getting a ton of pressure to Brady. And that's going to be an issue. And it's always been his issue throughout his career. So that's how I see this game playing out. And I see them. You're right. I would take Brady over Stafford any day of the week. But I think Brady's going to be under a ton of pressure. And Stafford will have the run game going again. Well, the Rams will have the run game going again like they did a little bit last week and take some of the pressure off Stafford to not have to hit every throw and make 55, 60 attempts. So I will take the Rams to win here based solely off the fact that I think Tom Brady is going to have about five, six sacks this game. Five or six. That is a a high number. Now, before we started recording, you shared an interesting little Tom Brady fact. Yeah, so Tom Tom Brady is older than all of the NFC coaches remaining in the playoffs. (laughs) That is insane. Aside from his own. Aside from his own, who's double his age, which is even more insane. (laughs) (laughs) No, there are those moments with Tom Brady where you really start to appreciate just just how old he is. Yeah, it's it's great. I think it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget because he doesn't look that old, and because you just kind of get used to Tom Brady being Tom Brady. But every once in a while, it dawns on you just how old he is, especially in comparison with all of the other players he get he's up against. Now, up next, I think I thought that the previous matchup was maybe the most intriguing in some respects. This one is obviously. I think this is the, you know the blockbuster matchup of the weekend and maybe the matchup everyone's been looking forward to seeing pretty much all season, certainly preseason. This was the game. I think most people would have probably hoped for in terms of being the AFC championship game, but it's bills against the chiefs and the chiefs are two point favorites. 
this is the primetime matchup. This is, you know, a- anyone who watched the AFC Championship and saw the Chiefs win this, and then you watch the Bills this year kind of know that I, I kind of think they went out of that game saying this is probably who we're going to have to play for the next few years. So we need to get better and be able to beat them specifically. And I think they've kind of designed their team to be able to specifically beat the chiefs and get past them in the AFC. You have now an offense that seems to be clicking. It can methodically go down the field and score if it wants. It can go deep shots to digs and everyone else and score quickly. They're super efficient right now. So now they have the offensive firepower to keep up with the chiefs and they've built that defense to try and stop the chiefs uh, with, you know, they're, they've upgraded their pressure up front to kind of get to Mahomes and not have to blitz them because everyone's seen the stats. When you blitz Mahomes, he has like 85% uh, completion rating, something ridiculous. Um, And their secondary is upgraded now. So now they can stay with the receivers, specifically Hill. So they, they are, you know, they are built now to beat this chiefs team. And as much as I love Mahomes, as much as I love watching the chiefs, I'm going to be taking the bills here to, to win this game. I, I think this is what they set out to do starting the season, knowing that they're going to have to face them. And I think they're ready. They beat them in a regular season already. And that was a pretty convincing game where Mahomes, I think had what, three or four turnovers that game. He had at least two picks and a fumble. I think, I think at three turnovers, but they know how to get to him and make him uncomfortable. And I think they're going to do the same thing here. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bills with the upset here. Yeah. I mean, obviously early in the season, these two teams played and it was a very one-sided game where the bills just absolutely dominated a complete reverse of what happened basically between the two teams in their previous matchup in the playoffs last year. The thing that makes this difficult is, I mean, it's obviously been discussed, you know, constantly is that this chief's defense, you have two different versions of them. So in the first seven games, they allowed 29 points per game, which was the worst in the league. And then in the last 10 games of the regular season, they allowed only 16.1 points per game, which was the best in the league. So some of that, I think you can tie back to teams that they played, obviously, but Obviously, the defense got significantly better. Now, whether that's Melvin Ingram coming in, I don't You know, there's these kind of small additions that they made and small changes that they made. It seems difficult to understand how that could lead to such a radical improvement in their overall defensive play. But clearly, they are a lot better defensively than they were when these teams met the first time around. I think the thing that makes it tough is I think the Bills are a better team than when they met the first time around as well. And... Whereas in previous matchups between these two teams, certainly say last season in the playoffs, you would have just penciled in a good Chiefs offensive performance. So you would have just said, you know, the Chiefs in the past, I think the version of their team was always, well, you knew the offense was going to be great. And their defense wasn't that good, but it was good at coming up with significant turnovers or stops at the right moment. They would either for momentum swings or to allow the offense to kind of pull away. They always had this knack of just at the right time getting that key play. And I think the issue for them now is, even if the defense still has that knack, which is a big unknown, is that the offense just isn't the guaranteed, you know, 35 points a game that it was in previous seasons. So 
I think the Bills are the better team. I actually think they're significantly better. I think that if the Chiefs weren't the Chiefs, I know that sounds really stupid, but if they weren't a team that we'd seen making the AFC Championship game in consecutive seasons and making it to two straight Super Bowls and winning one of them, I think we would feel very differently about this matchup coming into it. And the ped- the Chiefs' pedigree makes you feel like you have to respect them maybe a little bit more than you you should. Well, so well, I think I think the Bills should be fair. I I mean I just want to jump in on that point to kind of agree with you. I but I think you have to take into consideration that they do have those big wins in playoff games, right? Because I think they know how to play in these big games, and maybe they're they're more. I guess they've experienced more on this big stage, whereas the Bills haven't, and they haven't succeeded yet on the big stage. So I, I think I think there is truth to what you're saying a little bit. For sure. Look, if you if you're going to tell me that this game is tied with six minutes to go, then yeah, I make the Chiefs favorite, just because there is an element of been there, done that, not panicking, not feeling like they have too much to prove. Which now sometimes, and we've spoken about this too. I think that can be the Chiefs' undoing. They can be very passive. They kind of feel like, yeah, we've always got another gear to go to. And, hey, we're the Chiefs. We've already shown that we're really, really good. We've already shown that we're probably the best team in the league. We don't have to keep proving ourselves. They're, and that might work. Again, it's a little bit like the rust versus rest. It's unclear whether the Bills being more motivated to prove themselves will mean that they come out and they're just firing on all cylinders or that they kind of crumble under the pressure of feeling like this is a way bigger game for them than it is for the chiefs. Like if the bills lose this game, it starts to feel as if oh, we're going to, these two teams are going to be good for a long time. And the chiefs are always going to have the edge kind of like the Patriots and the Colts back in the two thousands. Yeah. You, you just felt like they got to that moment where it's like, well, the Patriots are better. doesn't matter how good the Colts look. They're going to win the odd one, but Brady's going to beat Manning. And you will start to feel like Mahomes is always going to beat uh, Allen when it really matters. No, but I right. think the Bills, the Bills will win. The Bills will win this. So I'm picking the Bills to win, and obviously the Bills with the two points. Yeah, I, I, I think you're completely right. I think the the pressure is on the Bills here. Even though going into this game, I think they are the better team right now. I still think the pressure is on them because they haven't gotten past this stage yet, and. That is a worry too, exactly what you said. If they lose this game again, then does it start to really get in their head? Does it get into Josh Allen's head that I can play MVP football, but when I get in the playoffs and I face the Chiefs, we're gonna lose. And I don't you know, we haven't seen enough of Josh Allen yet to know what he's like under the pressure. We've just seen that one big game that they lose against the Chiefs, you know, but he had a pretty big game last week against the Patriots and balled out. I mean, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen from a quarterback. So, you know, maybe he's great under pressure. Only time's going to tell here, but it's, it, I hope it's a fun game and I hope it's a back and forth. I wouldn't mind this one to be a really nice back and forth with a few defensive stops, but kind of, you know, Mahomes going up seven and then Allen having to match him, and, and that would be interesting. But my question to you was what's your number as a Bills supporter, what's the number that you need to keep the Chiefs at to win this game? What are you confident if you can keep them? You mean in terms of how many points they score yes. or how big of a lead you need coming down the stretch? No, like how many points will they, like what total 
makes you feel comfortable. If you can 30. hold them to 30, you think you can outscore 30. them at 30. Yeah. I think if you took, if you offered the Bills right now, Chiefs score 30. You feel good about yourselves, and I think they would say, sure. We feel like we can get four touchdowns and a field goal if that's going to really sneak it. But... <laughs> You know, they're really going to just edge it out. But certainly I think they would feel like, oh, we can we can get six scores, seven scores in this game if it's going to be that kind of game. I mean, obviously that's the way the Chiefs play kind of plays into the idea of the reverse of what we spoke about earlier with long drives and not many possessions in the game. The way they play plays into the idea of, well, we're both going to have the ball 10, 11 times and we think we can score on seven of them. Yeah, I was gonna. I would have said a little less, maybe twenty-seven. You know, I, I would be comfortable with. But yeah, I, I think you're. We're right around in the same ballpark there. So coming into this weekend, then with two rounds to go, who are you picking to win the Super Bowl? Not value, not just if right now you have to, and you can change your mind. I'm not going to make you hold you to it. But if you if you had to nail your flag to a particular mast right now, who who are you picking? Chiefs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> After I picked up the lose. <laughs> well, no, but I think that there is a logic behind that sometimes between saying, I still think, because you can make the argument of if they win this game. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, yeah. then like, for example, I will say I feel more confident in a sense that whoever wins this game between the Bills and the Chiefs, and we touched on it slightly already, but will be in the Super Bowl than saying, oh, well, if the Bucks win or if the Packers win, do I put them and I'm not penciling them necessarily into the Super Bowl because I think they could lose to either of the teams they'll have to face in the next round. Yeah, I mean, it is. this is a good year because it is really tough. I, I don't have – actually, we go the other way. I have strong opinions on several teams versus just having one single strong opinion. I, I think whoever wins this game could certainly win the Super Bowl. These are the two super high-caliber teams. Um, and the Bills right now, if they continue to play, they played last week, there's not a team that can stay with them for sure. I, I mean, they're not going to have a perfect game again, but anything close to that is going to be tough to stay with. So I would say the Bills, my kind of l- more long shot pick, I think will be the Rams. I just think they're really starting to click now and they have the talent. So do you want me to run the ball? Do you want me to run through the current odds? Yeah, go ahead. So right now you have you have the Packers are favorites at what is well I'll do it in decimal so four point two I don't like the that. Chiefs are five the Chiefs are five so four to one the Bills are five to one the Buccaneers are eleven to two the Rams are uh, eight point five so what. The Titans are also eight point five. The Niners are eleven to one, and the Bengals are fifteen to one. Yeah, I have to say, looking at that, and I know you're gonna, but I think the value there, in a way, the is the Titans and the oh. Niners. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> it's the Titans and the Niners. Look, I, because here's the weird thing to me: I think if the Niners beat the Packers and say the Rams beat the Buccaneers, I think the Niners are favorites. Didn't the Rams the just beat the Niners three weeks ago? No, oh no, the Niners beat the Rams. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, and and also, Shanahan has, has dominated McVeigh yeah, so far. For sure. 
not so i think in a weird way the niners have the biggest potential they could go from being you know 11 to what are they they could go from being 11 to 1 to monday morning being 4 to 1 whereas for some of these teams i don't think you'll see their odds drop significantly i, I find it a bit weird that the chiefs are 4 to 1 and the bills are 5 to 1 like it seems a little bit when you consider the Chiefs are two point favorites at home, yeah. So in a sense, that's saying that the Bills are a better team because if you use the classic premise of three points edge for the home team, it seems a little bit strange to me. I would expect obviously the Chiefs to be well. That might just slight be because favorites of, then to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, the, the Chiefs being slight favorite. Oh, you think the Bills should be slight favorites? No, I think if the Bills, if you're telling me that the Chiefs are four to one, then I would make the Bills. You know, uh, say, say so if we if we speak of them at, as five as a decimal, I would make the bills sort of five point two, five point three, as in like yeah, they're they're less likely to win this week, but then it, whoever wins this is probably just as likely to win the Super Bowl as the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, for the reason I say the Rams is just the way that game played out. In the playoffs, to me, getting pressure on the quarterback is seems to be one of the most important things to making the run and winning the Super Bowl, especially in this year's NFL when every team in this maybe besides – well, actually, I, I, I'll leave Jimmy G in there. You know, these are all high-quality quarterbacks for the most part. You know, you have Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, Brady – even Burrow now at this point, you know, these are all really, really good quarterbacks and you can't let them sit back there all day and throw. So a team that can generate a lot of pressure is going to be successful, especially in the playoffs. And for me watching that Rams game, they just looked every play to just be in the backfield every play. But again, it's, it's just hard to judge because right. the Cardinals right. were so, the Cardinals were so inept. Yeah. No, you're right. Like if that had been a week 17 game and you said they were playing the Jags or the Lions, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone, no, 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 that didn't, that doesn't look right. Like they looked awful from first play to last play. So was that the Rams figuring something out or was that the Cardinals deciding that they wanted to go on vacation in the mid January and not beginning of February? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's it's tough to tell, but I'm going off the assumption that, you know, playoffs hit and Von Miller maybe woke it up a notch and realized, holy crap, I haven't been on a team that's got a chance to win a Super Bowl here. Maybe I'll try harder. <laughs> Who, Von Miller? I know, I'm joking. <laughs> I know, I'm joking. <laughs> One of the few players there with a Super Bowl ring. Um, yeah. But anyway, wrapping up that NFL talk then. And as a, a non-sports talk again, just for a minute, and do our usual. I know how much you love it when we, when COVID-related topics come up. Wait, wait, wait. I saw that a uh, wait. Can we stay on the NFL? Is yours NFL related? No, nothing to do with the oh. NFL. Did you see? Well, actually, I know you did because it was sent in our group chat about the Chiefs linebacker Gay who was arrested or charged with misdemeanor charges and arrested. He was arrested and released. Because he got into a disagreement with his ex-wife and broke her vacuum. <laughs> now, my question for you is, 
what did he do to break a vacuum? Do you think he just ripped the cord I, out or do you think he took it and destroyed no. it? No, <laughs> no, I think he's because that's the thing is it sounds comical when you describe, oh, he got arrested for breaking a vacuum. Yeah. But the reality is it was probably terrifying. I know. That's what I'm thinking. It was probably what do you have to do? It was to probably break a massive man a smashing a. Yeah. You're just you're just. T- like taking a baseball bat to the ground. Yeah. You, so you think he picked it and smashed it? Because I'm even thinking maybe he like at just full speed like kicked it right right in the middle of it and like bent it and snapped no. it. Well, I mean, I don't know what vacuum they own, but uh, I'm picturing like a, a well Dyson, vacuum. like one of those small Dyson. Okay. The, what do you call those ones? I. You have one. I don't think you could. Yeah, I don't think you could just snap a Dyson in half with a kick. They're pretty sturdy. I think you'd have to smack it a few times for it to really break. I mean, this is the other question of like what defines breaking the vacuum too. Because you're right. It could it could be something as meaningless as he just violently yanked the cord in protest. <laughs> just took a scissor you know? and cut the cord. <laughs> Who knows? It could be anything. Or it could be he was swinging a vacuum pretty close to her at the floor at the wall with it just pieces flying everywhere in five minutes of rage where red mist had fully descended yeah he got released i mean it had to be by nfl standards it's tame (laughs) yes i guess that's true (laughs) but when i read that and then heard what he did just in my head that must have been i thought the same thing you just said it must have been extremely terrifying because for you to have to break a vacuum, you have to be putting some rage into that. That's not like, yep. you know, that's not like breaking a broom. <laughs> yeah. And also then you have to imagine what was the scenario. Was he vacuuming and, <laughs> no, and, got, and got set off mid-clean? So you think he goes... Why won't you lift his... your feet? Put your feet on the coffee table. I told you to put your feet on the coffee table. You think he goes to his ex-wife's house and vacuums for <laughs> He's a doting ex-husband, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's the scenario? The vacuum just out? Does he go into a cupboard and pulls out the vacuum? You know, there's a lot of questions there that would need to be answered to really know, to, like, to, to, to know exactly what this scene was like. Who knows? There might be footage. There could be, a like, a, like a cam inside the house. Fingers crossed. I mean, I put it this way. If I'm the ex-wife of an NFL player, I have got video cameras, like security cameras running in every room, covering every angle at all times. And I, I say that somewhat as a joke. It's not really a joke. I would 100% have, I would have Fort Knox level security in my house. But I guess speaking of security breaches, what I was going to switch to an American Airlines flight from Miami to London had to turn around over an hour into the flight after a passenger refused to put a mask on and to return and fly back to Miami with passengers on the, the, the woman who supposedly was in her forties was not arrested when they landed. was just escorted out of the airport, but they were passengers on board. Yeah. Passengers on board were not told exactly what was going on. 
they were just told that there was an extreme incident with another passenger on board, which is also a terrifying way of phrasing it. You know, if you just got told someone won't put... Now, I can understand why they're careful with the information because you tell some people we're turning around because someone won't put their mask on. And then you just get a group of people going and like pinning down another passenger and, and taping a mask to their face. I think you, you run that risk. Or you have someone but, going around ripping off everyone's mask. Wait, no yeah. one has got mask anymore. <laughs> yeah. It just blows. I, I, again, I'd like to know more information because it's over an hour into the flight. So did they have their mask on and then at a certain moment they take it off and they refuse to put it back on, which I assume is the scenario. And then I kind of lost it. Like, can't you just sedate the person and put a mask over them or something? You know what I mean? Shoot them with a tranquilizer dart? <laughs> I doubt. I'm not. I'm not imagining that that this woman in her 40s is some sort of raging sort of gorilla down the aisle. I'm th- I'm thinking. So then, how I'm are you still going to sedate? Are you going to like? Oh, would you like to drink a diet coke and then spike the coke? <laughs> is that your option? <laughs> yeah. No, but I don't know. I mean, they have restraints and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, why can't you just tie them up, put the handcuff them, and then? put the mask on and go, we'll deal with this when we get to London. I guess it's the question I have for you is do they really have restraints though? I mean, you see these in movies, but I've never been on a flight where I've seen someone physically was restrained before. Um, I've never seen, no, I've seen medical emergencies on flights. I've never seen anyone restrained. I've seen someone get kicked off before a flight took off. I did see that. I've seen that too. I've seen yeah. that. And really get dragged off. Yeah, pre-flight. I've seen someone like do the uh, thing where like they put their feet out so like they get caught on every <laughs> row as they're getting pulled out. That was pretty epic. I'm a. They must have restraints on on board every flight. I just can't imagine, given the level of security now, particularly on a transatlantic flight. Just given the level of security, they must have a way of trying if someone is, say, becoming inc- incredibly aggressive on a flight or the biggest extreme trying to, say, hijack the flight. They must have a way of actually physically restraining that person without having to rely on someone like sitting on them for the remainder of the flight. I would be so annoyed, though. Oh, I'd be furious. I, I mean, I hate flying. So the fact that we'd have to take off and then go back and then retake off and go again. That would infuriate. It wouldn't even be the time. It would just be that I dislike flying and being in the air. It makes me uncomfortable. So the fact that I have to double up on that being uncomfortable would make me so mad. Yeah. Cause also you're an hour into your flight, right? It's not the longest flight in the world. I guess in Miami to London, seven, seven hours, hours, eight hours. Yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. So you're an hour into it. Then you have to turn around. So you're 90 minutes into it. You got to turn around. So that's three hours of your flight. You should have been halfway to done with your flight, and instead you're back to square one. That's going to be annoying. And then imagine if you have a connecting flight in London that you're now missing, and you got to deal with that nightmare when you land back into Miami and you're trying to get in touch with an airline to say, "Hey, I don't know when my flight's coming." You know, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's just a mess. Oh, you 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 would already been at the built the big chill bar, and now you're four hours delayed. Well, that's. Yeah, for for new listeners, I guess it's where we're called the Big Chill Podcast because before, well, as part of one of our annual, whenever we go to London to watch sports, we stop at the Big Chill near St Pancras, 
there i think there's three big chills in paris but we stopped there london and in london yeah and uh get drinks and occasionally food very rarely it's our meeting meeting and socializing starting point (laughs) yeah so that's the origin of the name but yeah no it's out i would be furious I guess it's also worth saying, as we get close to wrapping up, we are officially looking for a Big Chill intern. So if you are interested, or if you know anyone that might be interested in being our intern, it's mainly to help us out with social media stuff. So another reminder that if you're not already, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter, search for the Big Chill podcast, we should pop up. Also our YouTube channel. So it's kind of to help us with the social media stuff, whether that be interacting with other conversations that are going on and trying to drive engagement, but also helping us to do more shorter clips and post those and, and do all of that aspect, managing the YouTube channel to a little bit of a higher degree than it is now because it can be fairly dormant at times. And then if you have real audio editing skills and video editing skills to actually help us with the editing side of things as well, um, that's a possibility too. So if you know anyone, it's an unpaid internship. I guess it's important to throw that in you there. You might be able to get credit you might get school s- if you're still in school. Yeah. And some swag. Maybe. You know, there's some Big Chill swag being planned. And hell, and you get to be on the Big Chill podcast. I mean, that's the biggest plus. Also true. Well, you might not be on it. If if you're interesting you enough, to li- you could be on it. Yeah. <laughs> you might get to listen to it live and then edit it. <laughs> that's thrilling maybe yeah and may, but who knows maybe if the person if the person wants to be on mic and is interesting then yeah there's always a possibility we got a we got a third chair open now that sam has betrayed us and left so there is there is a who? there's a microphone yeah <laughs> you know that guy with that really interesting name samuel jones <laughs> that rare name you're just making that before. name up <laughs> That's the most yeah. generic name I've ever heard, Eddie. You can make up something better than that. Oh, that's a classic Sam word, generic. Love He loves the word generic. There you go. But how? So yeah, if you know anyone, I guess the best way to apply is to message us on, DM us on Instagram or message us on Twitter or tag us in something and let us know that you know someone who might be interested in, and we can speak to them and see if it's a good fit. No guarantees, but... It's a and no money. Really, Just let me re- radiate that. <laughs> this is unpaid. <laughs> yeah, but hey, look, a lot of pod unpaid podcast interns have had their careers flourish. I mean, if we're the next, if you're the next Jamie, and we're the next Joe Rogan podcast, careers made started unpaid, but worked out really well. You never know. You know, take your chance, see where it goes. Our aim is to be the next Joe Rogan. Unfortunately, we we don't have we didn't have the starting point that Joe Rogan had. <laughs> yeah, we're not already famous comedians. But I mean, look, I, I'm not a big Joe Rogan experience listener. There have been there's like some interviews that I find funny, and I just find him amusing. I'm not amusing, intentionally amusing, just because he's kind of stupid. But. Uh, I do give him credit. He was a pretty early adopter of podcasting and really committed to the idea of doing the podcast, even while it took a long time for it to take off. It's obviously really paid off for him. I think anyone who is podcasting, I mean, I was on a previous podcast pre-2010. Anyone who was podcasting back in those days, then it really felt at times that you were speaking into a void and a lot of people just didn't even understand what you were doing. 
Do you still feel that way? <laughs> that people are speaking into the void or that don't understand what we're doing? Both. <laughs> understand what we're doing? No. The void? I mean, no. Because, you know, our listenership has grown pretty consistently. I know. Since we got so rid of I know of we Sam. always kind of like talk. <laughs> no. Actually, ironically, this is this is something that surprised me as I look at the statistics Doubled. of our... Well, during the period where we didn't release an episode, our downloads increased, which is kind of strange because normally we release two episodes a week and basically within 24 hours of releasing an episode is when we get the majority of our downloads. And then there's some people who are obviously a little bit behind or kind of listening to it. But we're pretty topical, so it's hard to listen to an episode from four weeks ago because we're going to be discussing an NFL game that you know the outcome of. But, yeah, I guess Sam left and the internet loved it. I know I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And I know Ollie loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, with that, I guess we'll say goodbye and hope for an exciting divisional round weekend of NFL. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Well, see ya. See you.